1903, President Teddy Roosevelt addressed a crowd at the Grand Canyon. When speaking of this natural wonder, he said, Man cannot improve on it. Not a bit. The ages have been at work on it, and man can only mar it. What you can do is keep it for your children, and your children's children, and for all who come after you, as one of the great sights which every American, if he can travel at all, should see. More than a century later, hundreds of millions have heeded those words, and the canyon is an essential detour for travelers like me who find themselves motoring along Route 66. But Route 66 is as much about the journey as it is any destination. And that journey is what we'll focus on today, as I invite you to join me and a few other sojourners as you ride the tracks of the Grand Canyon Railway from the town of Williams, Arizona, to the edge of the South Rim. I'm Evan Stern, and this is Vanishing Postcards. Before we get started, if you've enjoyed being my co-pilot this season, then I think you'll really appreciate the chart-topping podcast, Trailweight. Called a must-listen by Outside Magazine, Trailweight just returned for a new season, and it explores how our love of the land and travel can accidentally do more harm than good at times. Each week on Trailweight, acclaimed host Andrew Stephen dives into the responsibility we all carry when it comes to land use, like how on paper ecotourism makes sense, but can have unintended consequences. I'm also particularly excited about their episode on Walt Disney and the mogul's failed attempt to build a massive ski resort in the California wilderness. Let me just say this story has as many twists and turns as Space Mountain. Produced by the Podglomerate, Trailweight is a sound-rich survey that gives you a new perspective on the great outdoors and urge you to follow Trailweight on your favorite podcast app. And now, let's get back to the show. We ain't got no money and, and we're hungry. I got news for you. We're getting on that train this afternoon. We're going to go ahead and rob every single person on it. I'll tell you something else. I'll find me... It's little after 8 a.m. And I and a few hundred others have gathered outside the depot in Williams, Arizona. We're here to board the train, but the outlaws of the Cataract Creek gang are busy getting into a squabble over breakfast. Tempers flare, pistols are drawn, but despite the bravado, they're no match for Marshal Shiloh. And within ten minutes, all are tasting dust. But this duel won't be making the pages of this town's independent, as this throwback to the days of Bonanza and Maverick happens most every morning around here. And while the Western genre has been reinvented many times over, this kitschy Technicolor vision is an identity Williams has come to unapologetically embrace. Um, it's definitely where um, Fonz, Fonzarelli from the Happy Days meets Cowboys. That is Williams, Arizona in a, nuts, a nutshell. The West, for, for, for all it is, still has, there, there is some charm that, that is very present, uh, present uh, there are a number of towns that have a ambience that, that is that of the 50s. Williams, Arizona, um, again, is a Route 66 town, and so the, it's, it's a location where there are mom-and-pop diners um, and car sh- vintage car shows and all kinds of events that, uh, that, 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 feel, that, that feel very nostalgic. That's Sam Langner, a young and enthusiastic fellow Texan. He found himself itching for an adventure after completing his studies in industrial design and took what was supposed to be a seasonal job working at the South Rim's Masswick Lodge. 
He quickly advanced and a few years later is still living in and loving Arizona, where he manages community relations for the Grand Canyon Railway, which, despite its long history, seems as popular as ever. The history of Grand Canyon Railway spans back to the late 1800s, so well, well over a century uh, plus of history. The, the original reason why anyone was out in that area, as is most of the cases with the Wild West, was uh, mining. And so near the South Rim, uh, there was copper ore that was being mined in the region, and, and uh, they had to have a rail line to bring the raw copper ore to and from that location. Williams just happened to be the kind of the waypoint uh, of civilization that ended up getting developed. And so in the early 1900s, in uh, uh, 1901 and, and thereafter, Atchison, Topeka, and Santa Fe Railway, in association with the Fred Harvey Company, uh, developed uh, the, the Frey Marcus Hotel, which was one of the Harvey houses. What they realized was, although you know, bringing copper ore was a good business, it was a lot better business to bring people from Williams to Grand Canyon South Rim. For some time, that was the only, the, the train was the only way to get to the National Park. Uh, once the highway was created and, and uh, uh, folks were all driving, wanted to drive their own cars to the South Rim, uh, yeah, the railway's uh, ridership declined dramatically. However, uh, uh, years later, 30 years later, Max and Thelma Biegert, who were uh, investors and business people uh, in the area, they relaunched Grand Canyon Railway. And since that time, uh, in the 80s, uh, it, it, it has, has been operating at full force. So it, 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 uh, something kind of fun about Grand Canyon Railway is, by our metrics, we keep in the ballpark of 50,000 cars out of the park uh, on a yearly basis, and sometimes it's, it's much more than that depending on, uh, on the year. Grand Canyon National Park, everyone's aware of. It's a bucket, a bucket list trip for most people. The railway provides a comfortable, safe, easygoing way to get to the canyon. It departs from Williams, Arizona, uh, and is a two hour and 15 minute train ride up to Grand Canyon South Rim. Once you're there, you have three hours and 15 minutes or so to, to go get photos, hike around, uh, shop, or uh, eat at one of our restaurants up at the South Rim. So Grand Canyon Railway provides families, couples, individuals, a really excellent experience and kind of a, a Wild West uh, callback. Some who've made this journey over the years include Presidents Teddy Roosevelt and Bill Clinton, Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, Paul McCartney, and now me. After the gunfight, I and my fellow audience members board our car, a luxury coach from the 50s where we're welcomed by our friendly attendant, Andrew. Right, good morning everybody. How are we doing today? Good. All right, well we are on a 63 mile journey up through the Grand Canyon. My name is Andrew. I'm going to be your passenger service attendant. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. We're going to be traveling at a top speed of about 40 miles an hour. And uh, we're going to have a few announcements here from our conductor, and I'll be coming on through shortly, taking those drink orders. Leaving Williams as the elevation drops, the scenery out the window shifts from Ponderosa to Juniper Forest before gradually easing into open high desert. And after serving refreshments and sharing a few fun facts, Andrew graciously takes the seat next to me for a brief chat. A young man with wavy brown hair, a light beard, and duck-billed hat, he tells me his last name is Humble, which, given his attitude, seems just about right. I grew up in um, Apache Junction, Arizona. Uh, it's maybe 30 minutes from Phoenix, and uh, lived there my whole life. And uh, I did six years, six years in Florida, and I just wanted to be back in Arizona. And Williams is where the dart hit when I threw it. It's still 
kind of embraces the West. You know, the, the, the railroad is sort of what made the West, you know, the West. And um, you start to kind of, you start to really get into it. And, it, you know, it helps too that there's cowboys walking around the train, you know, and that definitely helps. But when you look, look out at the scenery and just where you're at, you could just really, you could really picture it. And um, I, I think that kind of helps to take people back um, definitely to that time, you know, lost time. Yeah, like I said, I love my job that I'm doing. Um, I, I, I have fun every day here. Um, it never really feels like a job. And when the stress does kind of catch up, um, it's easily it's easily altered and it's easy to easily to be put in a in a good place. Well, I try to stay as bright as I can. Um, I try to stay upbeat. Um, I try to you know I, I love to make people laugh. So if I could do a, a joke, whether it's a corny joke or an actually a really you know educated joke, I like to you know I. I love to put a smile on people's face. If one was to stand out in general, I, I mean, I had a lady uh, actually just yesterday. Um, she had, you know, several different cancers, quite a bit wrong with her, and uh, it was pretty sad. This she said basically this is going to be her last, you know, trip with her grandkids, and um, you know, I just at that point it's like you know I'm going to make this the best trip they can have, you know. So as I understand, stories like these aren't uncommon among the pilgrims who visit the canyon, and later that afternoon. I meet a middle-aged man by the name of Wayne behind the register at Mary Coulter's Lookout Studio. A native of North Carolina, he and his wife decided to pack up last year to travel and work around the country. And each day, they're reminded why they took this leap. Several people um, come here, older people who their spouses have died, and they had always wanted to do this. They'd always wanted to travel the national parks. And one or the other spouse died before they were able to. And so they, they carry pictures, um, a lot of them do, and they take pictures with their spouse at a lot of the, the points and stuff. And that really, it really strikes home because that's why we're doing this. Um, we're working national parks all over the country just to, so we get to do it before we, you know, you never know. One couple who are very much among the living are Kentuckians Doyle and Tammy Yeager whom I notice holding hands on a shaded bench and matching t-shirts. Would you mind, uh, since you know people can't see them, could you maybe uh, tell us what your shirt says here? It says, just married 40 years ago today. So today is your anniversary. Yes. And um, what was it about the uh, Grand Canyon that uh, made you say, you know what, let's, let's mark this milestone by going there? Talk to her on that one. <laughs> uh, we've never been this far west. We're from the East Coast. And when I was planning a trip last spring, I, actually, I started with Williams on Route 66 with the train and led to here. And so now being here now, what are your reactions? Oh, it's breathless. Beautiful. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. Everybody should come. Yes. It, I mean, you hear about it. You see pictures. They don't do it justice. Especially from people from a small town to see something like yeah. this. It's just remarkable. It is. And um, what are your uh, what are your goals for your fiftieth? Living that long. <laughs> well, I can tell you the story. She said we should we should do something on our fortieth, and I said why? She said we may not be around for the fiftieth. <laughs> so, if we make it to fifty, I don't know. We may go to Europe or something. Who's, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I should ask, um, how did y'all meet? I missed the school bus one day in high school, and he offered me a ride. I picked her up on the streets. Yes, we did. <laughs> uh, and but what, no, we knew each other before. Yeah. So, yeah. And what's your secret to making it work? 
Do what she says. <laughs> Work through it. Yes. Don't give up. Because we've had our issues. But yeah. yeah. It's marriage is for Thank you. a lifetime. And so there's going to be rough times. You just got to work through them. Yeah. Minutes later, I meet a fit, sandy-haired couple from the French Alps sharing a snack on a rock ledge who happen to be celebrating a different stage of union. So we are very fan of the United States. That's uh, our third time in this country. And uh, we came here for our honeymoon. And uh, we're waiting for one year and a half because of travel ban. So we are... Finally, we are very excited to, to see this beautiful country and uh, par- particularly uh, the Great Canyon. I say uh, um, hmm. uh, in, in fi- infinite, um, I, I don't know the word for infini. Um, and, uh, um, I, I'm searching my word. Even in uh, French, I, I don't know because it, it's too beautiful. Uh, and it's too amazing, incredible. Uh, um. You get the idea. And not to be outdone on the train is yet another pair whom I get to know as a duo of roving musicians serenade us with some Grateful Dead and country covers. So you're from Jersey, right? We are from New Jersey. Were you hoping they'd play some Bruce Springsteen? Bon Jovi. Okay. <laughs> I'm more of a Bon Jovi girl, but I'll take Bruce anytime. Yeah. So is that like kind of maybe a dividing line in Jersey? Are you, a, a, if you're from Jersey, are you Bon Jovi or Bruce? Is that... Sure, that's just like the North and the, and the South. There really is no Central. You're either North or South Jersey. It's, bon Jovi or Bruce Springsteen. It's also the divide of Taylor Ham versus Pork Roll, Sprinkles and Jimmy's. It's, <laughs> it's, the, it's the divide of New Jersey, absolutely. That's awesome. But what inspired you all to take uh, this trip at uh, at this moment in time so um we are expecting our first child yeah thanks so much um and so this is a pre baby moon but it's um a time where we're able to do a few things in arizona that we've never been able to do um separately and now we're doing it together um and it's before my wife can't go on an airplane anymore (laughs) um but yes that's what brings us here now so i love adventure and I wanted, my husband's never been to the Grand Canyon. I have seen it on the West End, the West Rim, but he has never seen it and it's been on his bucket list. And so we said we wanted someplace warmer <laughs> and then New Jersey. And um, we wanted something that was going to give us adventure. Well, congratulations again. Are you painting the, um, are you painting the nursery blue or pink? Do we know yet? We don't know yet. We'll know when uh, when the due date comes. Okay, uh, you know my par- Yeah, I, I think my parents did it the same way too. They did, but but congratulations, best wishes in all of your endeavors, and maybe I'll talk to you on the return leg too. Same, same to you as well. Good luck Good with the luck. podcast. But while I am the only solo traveler in our car, couples aren't the only ones drawn here. Hi, I'm Mary Cielli. Adriana Sanchez. And where are y'all from? I'm from Georgia. Yuma, Arizona. Okay, so um, what, uh, what, what, what brought you uh, together for this trip? Well, we have a 20-year friendship, and I've always wanted to see the Grand Canyon. So I'm the, I'm the road trip driver. <laughs> How did y'all meet? <laughs> We're actually fans of the band Journey, and we met online through their community forum, and we would go to concerts and stuff. Travel across the country and do concerts. <laughs> but so have you been to the Grand Canyon before? I have. I, I'm an Arizona native, so um, I recommend it to everybody. It's a must, I think, when you... It's even going several times, I'm always in awe of the canyon. 
but what, what do you, but I guess you make it sound as if the Grand Canyon is on your bucket list. Can you put into words like what it is about the Grand Canyon that has always had your imagination? Well, I first saw um, the Grand Canyon in 1971, the Brady Bunch, a show, and them traveling down on the donkeys and the horses down to the canyon. And that's always been my desire to come to the Grand Canyon and see God's work. You know, that's what I wanted to see. I remember that episode too. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't think any of us are going to be getting on the donkeys today, right? Absolutely not. <laughs> no. Just going to take a quick break to tell you about a show that I've been obsessively listening to called Out of Office, a travel podcast. In Out of Office, fun, curious, odd couple hosts Ryan and Kiernan dig into all sorts of travel topics, from country and city guides, to guest interviews with journalists and experts, to sometimes tense debates about what makes a great suitcase. I've heard them discuss exotic destinations like Bhutan and Peru, but also chat with a guy who sculpts statues of presidents in Rapid City, South Dakota, and sing the praises of often overlooked state parks. So give Out of Office a travel podcast a try. It's available wherever you can get free hotel Wi-Fi. And tell Ryan and Kieran and I say hi. And now, let's get back to the train. Between the music, passing landscapes, Andrew's commentary, and new friends, the two hours whiz by and we're soon pulling into the canyon's depot. I get off the train, walk up a set of stone stairs, past the famous El Tovar Lodge, and before me is the canyon. There are families staging pictures, I hear Spanish, Hindi, what I think is Farsi, and a young girl say, it's really better at sunset. But while I've come to expect the worst from busy tourist sites, any human behavior here is dwarfed by the vast beauty that surrounds us. Like the Frenchman suggests, it is indescribable. And being at a loss, two nights later when visiting Beale Springs near Kingman, I asked my pal Jim Hinckley if he can add any eloquence, but assures me it's okay to just let this experience be. You can't even paint or take a good picture of the Grand Canyon that will do it justice. There's certain things that you have to experience. The Grand Canyon is one. Route 66 is another. Uh, I think there's been more ink put on paper than there has been asphalt covering the road, and yet you cannot adequately describe Route 66 or the Grand Canyon. You see all these beautiful paintings, these beautiful photo photographs. But once you're there in person, once you see that with a dusting of snow where you stand there and watch the lightning on the North Rim, it's, it's, everything else pales in comparison. Something you have to experience. That's one reason the, the, the Route 66, the National Old Trails Road, its predecessor, was marketed this way. It was a gateway to great natural attractions, little side trips, detours, the Grand Canyon, Painted Desert, Petrified Forest, Oak Creek Canyon. I think it's inherent in human nature. Natural beauty is a draw. John Muir described it, you know, talked about it often, a lot better than I can ever do. But it, it's there's, there's, if you go to the places like the Grand Canyon and you can escape the crowds a little bit, which is surprisingly easy to do, even though it's a, a very visited park. But it, it's, it's a quieting of the soul. You come out to these places like Beale Springs. Sure, we've got a little traffic just over the hill, but you sit here and you can actually feel yourself you feel yourself being part of something much larger. And at the same time, it gives you the perspective to realize, don't take yourself serious because you're pretty insignificant in the grand scheme of things. The ride back is noticeably more quiet than the trip going. And while a little tiredness is to be expected after an early morning and some time hiking around, 
I do think we're all taking a bit of peace back with us. Leaving the park, I indulge in a Bloody Mary and momentarily drift off. But our energy picks up a bit when musician Larry Dean enters the car to entertain us with a bit of yodeling. Also strolling the aisles in spurs, a hat, and silver badge is Marshall Shiloh, whom I recognize from the morning show. So how long have you been patrolling these trains now? Well, I do it every Sunday. I've been working here about 23 years. Take off this gun belt, and that's my normal clothes anyway. But I'm retired now. Well, if I don't do this, then i got to go get a real job, so <laughs> that's why I do it. We, I wasn't always a marshal. I was, I'm a bad guy sometimes, too. And we're on here robbing the train, and I'm going down the aisle robbing folks, and this little boy, he was only about, I don't know, so big. He's all completely dressed out in his vest and chaps and got his marshal badge on, his guns and all that. And he stood out in that aisle, and he put his hands on his hips, and he says, you are a bad man. You're not getting by. And it's all the time his lip is just shaking and quivering, scared to death. But he wasn't letting us get by. I finally ended up having to pick him up and turn him around and put him back down behind me and go on. But that was, that was the best. Marshal Shiloh moves on to the next car as he continues his patrol. But soon after, Andrew takes to the intercom to share an advisory. It's at the Cataract Creek game. They've escaped from jail and they've been spotted in this area. Now, we'll be okay as long as this train doesn't stop, but if for some reason the train stops, there's a good, good chance that they're going to get on here and they're going to want to rob you. Second thing you need to know, today's Sunday. Their bat day happens to be Monday. Do the math. You don't want these guys getting too close to you. So I suggest having your money and valuables out for the grabbing so they'll just make their way on through. For reasons unexplained, the train does make a stop. And our peaceful car is invaded. The Cataract Creek gang is back, and they're looking us all over for goods. When are you, gonna make you know what I call a train robbery with no blood spilt? A stainless steel. You have to think about that one, didn't you? This scene is pretty miraculous, seeing as that we all saw them gunned down this morning, but they're quickly foiled by Marshal Shiloh once more. Somebody squeal. Somebody squeal. Oh, uh-oh. Yep. Yay, Marshal. Yay for the Marshal. All right, everybody, now before today, has anybody ever been robbed before? Yes. No, well, everybody should put their hands up because we pay taxes, so, you know. Now, second question, I, I, just kind of a statement I want to make, you know, that, that, that was a brief breach of security, that normally never happens on here, I've only seen it like once or 200 times before, so, alright, as we round on back at the Williams, I just kind of want to come up here for one last time and kind of give my final farewell to everybody, you know, ever since I was young, I was, I was interested in, in railroads and steam locomotives, and when I got to work, work around them, I really did consider myself blessed. You know, I get to ride up to one of the natural wonders of the world every day, and I, I get to meet great people, and, and each day is different for me. Each day is an adventure, and uh, with that, I truly love my job. But uh, again, I, I hope today was fun, enjoyable, and most importantly, memorable for everybody. And uh, 
If you like what you saw, my name was Andrew, your passenger service attendant, and if you didn't, my name was Vaughn. So, <laughs> thanks everybody. Thanks everybody. We pull back into Williams, and so ends today's ride on the Grand Canyon Railway. Exiting onto the platform, I notice the Jaegers, again wish them a happy anniversary, and wave goodbye. Seeing them, I remember another husband and wife I once heard of by the name of Edward and Margaret Gerke. A childless Nebraska couple. They took this same excursion in 1915. And in writing of the trip in her journal, Margaret said, Let those who will buy lands and hoard money. We will have our memories. Glad memories of golden experiences together. I like to think I tend to follow a similar creed. And the experience of this day has given me some golden memories I will carry as long as my mind allows. Thanks to all who shared with me to make this episode possible. To plan your trip on the Grand Canyon Railway, visit thetrain.com. I'll be including a link to them in the show notes, as well as the esteemed Jim Hinckley, who is a name worth knowing. I also thank you for listening. If you like this episode and haven't already, please follow us on your favorite podcast app. It helps us grow, and doing that guarantees you will never miss any content. Also, if you know someone in your life who might enjoy what we're up to, it would mean a great deal if you could just take a second to text them and share this episode. For photos and more, please find us on Instagram, or vanishingpostcards.com, where you're always welcome to reach out. Our theme music was written and performed by Max Kraus and Emily Young. I'm Evan Stern, and hope you'll join us next time for more Vanishing Postcards. Postcards.